Well, I received the first dose of my vaccine. I was not looking to get vaccinated. I was happy to wait my turn. But as it happened, where I live, clergy were designated as frontline workers. Don't get me wrong. I have no objection to the vaccine or any vaccines in general. The concerns that I may have had about these particular COVID vaccines, about how quickly they were developed or whether RNA works or not, were addressed months ago after doing some research and speaking with medical professionals. I also spoke with my dad, who remembers similar conversations and concerns regarding the polio vaccine when he was a boy. I was further assured by the statement released by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith that there is no material cooperation with evil when receiving a vaccine that was developed using cell lines from aborted fetuses. If the doctrinal experts in the church say so, who am I to disagree? I also think that we have to trust that immunologists and medical experts know what they're talking about, and that the God who has created the universe and to whom all medical sciences points is in charge. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And with us, Billy, um, yes. uh, is... Is? What? Someone is joining us today, Jermaine Bagnall. Jermaine, welcome. Hello. It's good to be here today. So Jermaine is a, a, a colleague of ours, a fellow producer here at Salt and Light Media, and we're going to get... Uh, ah, I was going to say we're going to get to hear a, a lot more from Jermaine coming up. Um, but be- before that, just just I-, I should be welcoming all our listeners back to the program. I hope that everybody had a happy Easter. We haven't really yeah. uh, uh, spoken to everybody since Easter. I mean, we had an Easter special, but that was it. Um, and that everybody's enjoying a blessed Easter season. You guys, Billy, Jermaine, you, you had a good Easter? I love it. I love it. You know, I have mass, you know, finally, <laughs> I have my Easter mass, you know, I which we do not have it uh, last year, right? That's true. We didn't. And now, Jermaine, we're back, uh, at least where we live in Toronto, back to lockdown again. Yeah, <laughs> back to lockdown. was able to book a seat for Easter. I still can't believe I had to book a seat to go to church. Uh, but that's a whole nother thing. Uh, and then, yeah, now we're, we're back to we're back to lockdown. Know, round three, round four of lockdown. I'm, yeah, I'm I don't know. Sure. I can't even keep track. Anyway, hopefully that's not the case <laughs> with uh, everybody else. Our listeners, I yeah, hope that you guys are doing well and that you can still go to mass. Um, Jermaine, uh, you, so you're going to start starting today, you, you, your new segment, you're, I'm going to, I'm going to start calling you our book nerd, because it's a segment about <laughs> books. Tell us a little bit about, about your segment and, and what we can look, uh, look forward to. All right. So the new segment is called book ends and it's for all, uh, book nerds and would be book nerds and book <laughs> nerds on the, the down low, uh, just talking about what I'm reading and just sharing, uh, some interesting reads for for people, whether they're young or old. Um, and actually, this first time around, the reads are going to be aimed at those who are young. Good. But you can still read them and enjoy them if you're older. Yeah, good. I'm looking forward to that because I'm a book nerd too. I love books. Um, and uh, we're no stranger to to speaking about authors in this program. So, you, so Jermaine's going to be with us just after our song uh, to tell us a bit about uh, some books. I think two books, right, Jermaine, today? that uh, that you want to share with us and then billy you have a question about 
Yes, about the pop. Yes, you know, about just like, l- yeah, we love the pop. Everyone loves the pop. And, you know, yeah, we have questions about that. Okay, good. So that's coming up after book ends with Jermaine Bagnall. We're going to have a question about the Pope. Hopefully I can answer it. Um, okay, so so you guys, um, I, I just yes. did my uh, my opening commentary there about vaccines. Um, n- neither of you have had your, your vaccine yet, have you? I'm Not, just too young. I'm sorry. You're too young. <laughs> I'm I'm old enough that I just got put on a on a waiting list at uh, okay. the lo- local pharmacies. They've extended out out to those who were born in '81, which I am. Uh, but all of the surrounding pharmacies are all booked up, and I I checked beyond Toronto just to kind of see. Uh, so I'm on the list and waiting for for dose one. Okay, so very good. Did you guys? I mean, I'm sure you've heard of people that have, you know, are maybe hesitant about the vaccine, but, but do you, do you go through any of that yourself in terms of, or were you always thinking that you would get vaccinated no matter what? I I knew that I would get it done. I have loved ones who are frontline workers and who have seen, seen the ravages of COVID essentially. And it's definitely no joke. So I want to do my part to be able to, to get vaccinated and help get life back to normal and you know yeah, not, hopefully yeah, hopefully exactly. it'll it'll lead to life back to normal i don't know billy what do you think yeah but for me you know i am you know i i am the host of church for dummies i have a lot of questions right <laughs> so i usually i you know what i i i i i think vaccine is just like faith you really need to know it i think yeah. you need to know it you understand it before you you get it that's what my my theory and catholic as a catholic we have our own vaccine which is the lord's prayer that's what i find this is our, our well, yeah, yeah, that'll help. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think you, we have to do both. That's what you're saying, Billy, right? We have to do both prayer and exactly. practicality. Yeah. Faith and reason. Um, well, 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 that's all good because uh, today our, our featured guest is uh, Dr. Bill Sullivan, who is, uh, he's actually the founding director and chair of the International Association of Catholic Bioethics. So he knows all about bioethics and he's Catholic and uh, he's a medical doctor you need to stay and listen to this because he (laughs) is going to address some of those main questions that people who are hesitant about the vaccine have um uh and it might be doctrinal moral issues about you know kind of cooperating with evil or uh or questions about just the efficacy of the vaccines and why we we should uh trust that the vaccines work anyway so that's dr bill sullivan he's going to be with us in about in about 20 minutes so i do hope that both of you can stick around for that but i do hope that all our listeners can also stick around for that um and then uh jermaine i always joke with billy because we always (laughs) feature an artist and billy loves the music he always says he loves the music and he loves I don't think he pays attention to anything I say. He just wants to listen to the music. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's true. Just <laughs> like in the church. <laughs> well, so Billy, we have a new artist, someone who's never been on the show. I found another Catholic Again? artist. Yes. So her name is Mary Kate Westrich. She's a songwriter and worship leader from Missouri. Um, and I had actually heard about her a few years ago from our friends at Oregon Catholic Press. Um and finally, uh, we got connected. So I'm, I'm really happy that Mary Kate Westrich is going to be joining us with us, uh, joining us in the program today. She, she just put out an album and her music is so good. I, I'm really enjoying her music. So uh, I do hope that you guys will too. So that's Mary Kate Westrich. She's going to be with us at the end of the program. And uh, as always, a reminder that if uh, you're not going to be around, 
to listen to the whole show, you're driving, you arrived at your destination, just remember that you can go to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. And that's where you can listen to the whole show. You can also subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So um, good. Welcome, you guys. Jermaine, you survived your first introduction up to the show. So (laughs) so we'll see how we do with your segment after the song. So we're going to go to a song now. Um, uh, and Billy's also going to hang out and, uh, and be back in a little bit for church for dummies. So the song is, um, Mary Kate Westridge with her, uh, song beloved from her new self-titled album. With my wounds on your hands, you carry my cross, embracing me still through the pain that I've caused your very flesh. But the mark of my sin For the sake of my heart You do it all again You're reaching out for me And Lord, you won't let go When you don't speak a word It's in the silence I will know that you are Yes, you are fighting for me yeah, I am, yes, I am
That was Mary-Kate Westrich with Beloved from her new self-titled album, Mary-Kate Westrich. And we're going to be speaking with Mary-Kate Westrich at the end of the program. And in a little bit, Billy will be back with us with a question about the Pope. And now it's time for... Book ends with Jermaine Bagnell. Jermaine... It's so good to, to have you doing a segment with us. So uh, about books, uh, did you read any good books this month? Yeah. Well, first, I'm really excited to be on the SL Hour. I'm yeah super pumped. And I have had a chance to read a couple good books. Actually, these ones are geared towards kids. Oh, good. Kids always need uh, new things to, to read. Uh, both of these books are published by Loyola Press. And the first one I'll chat about is called Shadow in the Dark. It's book one of the Harwood Mysteries. This is kind of aged. This one's geared towards like middle school, somewhere around there. It's uh, a historical fiction by Antony Baron Kolnick. And it's a real fun historical fiction book that takes place in the Middle Ages of England. It's a nice mix of history, mystery with a hint of action. Um, The book even kicks off with an action scene of bandits raiding a village, a daring chase and this young boy who's left injured and without a memory, you know? So just right away, it it definitely uh, grabbed my, grabbed my attention. And yeah. And it's a great way to, to also kind of show kids a bit about the faith because our amnesiac hero is found by Benedictine monks. Okay. He's nursed back to health and he begins to journey to find out who he is. And but although he's a boy with no name, the the monks dub him Alexander Zan for short. Okay. And we're we go along the journey with him to learn about this young boy, his life within the abbey, and his growing relationship with God. So it's this interesting sort of uh, interplay that uh, the reader gets taken along. Okay, I see. I was I was going to ask you what the sort of Catholic connection was because it sounds like a fun adventure story. So I, I get it. Um, and you said it was so Shadow in the Dark. You said it's part of a series. Yes, it's part of a, a series called the Harwood Mysteries. This is book one. Book two is already out. It's called the Haunted Cathedral, which I'll tell you about uh, the next time we, we roll up. <laughs> and the author is already prepping for book three, which is called. the fire of eden i don't have the date for when it's going to come out okay so another another reason another excuse for you to come back on the show and tell us about it so so shadow in the dark book one of the harwood mysteries published by loyola um uh, Mm -hmm. and you said age ages like it's like pre pre preteen i would i would say preteen but I'm an adult and I enjoyed it. So I would say <laughs> everybody, it's not, just, not just for kids, you know? Okay. I want to read it now. It sounds good. All right. And you wanted to tell us about another book. Yes. And the other book is for even younger readers. Okay. Uh, it's a picture book. Uh, it's a great family reading long. It's called 10 Hidden Heroes. It's written by New York Times bestselling author, Mark Shriver. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 great. Uh, one of the things that I like is the fact that he's trying to show kids that 
not all heroes wear capes because right now we're in the 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 culture where on the big screen it's all about the superpowers the cape you know the a mutant that can do amazing things and mark wants kids to know that heroes are all around them all amongst them um, on the first page he writes down heroes are everywhere in our neighborhoods in our schools and even in our homes uh -huh. who are the heroes in your life okay and each, each page really sets the stage for children to be exposed to what it means to be a hero and to be heroic. Uh, for example, when you get to seven hidden heroes, so they do a countdown, 10 hidden okay, heroes, nine I hidden see. heroes. So yeah. when you get to seven, uh, the write-up says, helping people who are poor, knowing when you choose to give, you always get back more. Uh -huh. The illustrations on, on the page includes a shelter, building homes for those in need, a school, doing a book drive, and, and so much more. So children get to see what it means to help, what it means to serve. Right. And parents are able to show them that you, even though you're you're a little kid, you you can be a hero. You know, yeah. you can bring that book drive. You can help that that elderly person mm -hmm. cross the street. You can be a part of something uh, uh, bigger than yourself. It's it's a really interesting way. It's almost like a picture book version of the Catholic social teachings. Okay, I get it. Okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. So, and for what ages? You say it's for younger, so like five year olds. Uh, five years old, even it's great. Even before uh, the kids themselves learn to read, because okay. it's picture. It's, it's mainly pictures. illustration, so it's an opportunity for. Uh, children and their parents to to engage and even make up their own stories you know mm. they could talk about that construction worker why are they heroic or the doctor how okay. are they heroic well, you know fun. so yeah so it's a lot of it, it's a great way for for kids to engage and and again it's it's another loyola press book and both of these can be found you know wherever books are sold check on amazon they're they're fully available and if folks want to learn more about Mark Shriver, I actually had a chance to sit down and interview him on my show, Working in Faith. So we discuss his life's work, his new book, his faith journey. Uh, it airs Thursday, April 29th at 8 p.m. Uh, so I really hope people tune in and get a chance to learn a bit more about Mark and you know, get out there, get some books and happy reading everybody. Okay, good. That's good. So that's uh, 10 Hidden Heroes by Mark Shriver, published by Loyola Press. And the interview you did for your show, Working in Faith, will air next Thursday, April 29th at 8 p.m. That's 8 p.m. Eastern. And people can, uh, if you're outside our broadcast area, you can watch that online at slmedia.org. Thank you. Thank you, Jermaine. This has been good. Um, uh, looking forward to having you on the show uh, uh, every couple of weeks and uh, and getting more books. Like I need more books to read, but th these sound like fun. We always need more books. You can never Absolutely. have enough. Absolutely. All right. Jermaine Bagnell, he's our book nerd and the producer of the Salt and Light production, Working in Faith. You can follow him at Jermaine Bagnell. Coming up, a question about the Pope. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Will Hickel with Novum Records, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour is available as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search for the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast, and you can take the show with you wherever you go. And now it's time for... Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan, who has a question. We have a question about uh, the Pope. 
heard the quote. I actually, yeah, we actually have a, a discussion with different uh, Protestant uh, brothers and sisters. Yeah, and they actually asked me one question pretty yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, the question is this: um, You Catholic? They they really like to say you Catholic. Um, why? Uh, why uh, do you always obey the Pope? And you know the first yeah the first thing the first time when I hear about this I would say hmm do I really need to obey the Pope? I I thought so so I was like I I cannot say oh no we do not need to obey the Pope but. What what is that? You know what okay, is the yeah. whole like mysteries about? We need to obey the pope. Yeah. Okay. So the short answer is no. We do not have to obey the pope. You do <laughs> not make a promise to obeying the pope. There's no, um, even the bishops. The bishops don't have to obey the pope. So wow. Ordained priests make a promise of obeying their bishop. Oh. But, but all the bishops are at the same level. So a bishop does but not obey a different bishop. Okay. Oh, I so the, see. I see. So, and the Pope is just a bishop. <laughs> he's just. <laughs> okay. He's he's the bishop of Rome. He's yes. he's right, but but he's not in that sense. Like the hierarchy is not like the Pope. I mean, doesn't work. Like he doesn't have that same authority over other bishops. So okay. bishops don't make a promise of obedience to the Holy Father. Um, oh. Now there are religious congregations, for example, the the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits. I think that they actually do have a vow to to obey or to do whatever the Pope or something to do with the, with the Pope. So that that's different for with, that's different with specific congregations, but you and me Catholics baptized Catholics, you have no, you there's nowhere ever that you make a promise to obey the Pope. Now we oh. do have to obey the church. Okay. So, but I heard something like um, the Pope is always right. Is it true too? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so what you're thinking of is the the a big a fancy word called infallibility, so that the Pope is infallible. Okay, mm. and that's what people take that to understand or to miss it. They misinterpret that to mean that the Pope cannot be wrong, but that's not true. So the the the, the doctrine of infallibility of the Pope means that the Pope is infallible in matters. So first of all, is in matters of faith and morals. So if he's talking about the weather, he's not infallible. If he's uh -huh. talking about, if he's talking about, you know, what he thinks about uh, politics in Canada, it, that's not infallible. Okay, if he's uh -huh. talking about the environment, it's he's not infallible. Um, so he's infallible in matters of faith and morals when pronounced in his office as Pope or in oh. together with the College of Bishops. So so when a synod or a, a church council pronounces something through the holy father and it's in matters of, of faith and morals that is infallible or when the pope sometimes they'll say you know when the, the papal dogma when the pope makes a pronouncement that it's dogma but that has only happened twice in in the last two thousand years so it's not like the pope wakes up in the morning and it's like oh i had an idea and whatever i say is is you know it doesn't work that way no i see so basically we uh we think that what the church published officially then this is true but yes. not talking about only the pope you know as a person no. we do not need to uh um we, we still need to uh, criticize or even think about well, what the pope said right well you do so um the the holy father might say something like in a general mm -hmm. audience pope john paul ii yeah. would, would speak in a general audience and he talked about you know, marriage and relationships. And that is now we, we call it the theology of the body, but those mm. theology of the body is not infallible. 
although there are things in the theology of the body, body that have to do with morality or, or, or faith and that are drawn from other church documents. But as a document, it's not infallible. It's just the Pope as a general. And so if Pope Francis says something about going to confession, what he says is not infallible unless he's talking about a particular church teaching. So in fact, the Pope cannot, well, he can, but he cannot change church doctrine. So if mm. there's doctrine, which is infallible and it, um, uh, and it cannot be changed because doctrine cannot be changed, the Pope can't change it. So, so if there's doctrine about the Holy Trinity, God is Father, Son, uh, Holy Spirit, that's doctrine. Mm -hmm. The Pope can't say, oh, th that's wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, the, the Pope can't say uh, marriage is not, is, is not between one man and one woman. I'm going to change that. He can't because that's doctrine um, in the same way that that's why the church says that, that the church has no authority to ordain women because that is doctrine. So nobody can change that. It doesn't matter what oh. the Pope says. So, so, so yes. So the short answer is the Pope, uh, we don't have to obey what the Pope says. The Pope can say something and he can be wrong. Um, but the church, when it comes to doctrine, capital D, is not wrong. And if I can do a little plug in here, because I write, as you know, we, uh, Billy, every week on the Salt and Light website, slmedia.org, I write a little column called Deconstructing. And you I write a, a lot. <laughs> and I wrote several articles on doctrine. What is doctrine, capital D doctrine? What is doctrine, uh, what church teachings can change, what can't be changed, um, and how people talk about evolving doctrine or developing doctrine. So if people are interested, they should just go to salt and light slmedia.org, type in deconstructing doctrine, and they can they can get all that information. Everyone should read at least once a time slmedia.org. Everyone come to the, to the site. Thank you, Pedro. Pan, thank you, Deacon Pedro. Okay, there you go. Now most of the time you probably should obey your parents. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Billy Chan with lots of good questions uh, from his Protestant friends. Uh, <laughs> Billy Chen, our webmaster at slmedia.org. You can follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, are COVID vaccines morally acceptable? And we meet singer-songwriter Mary Kate Westridge. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. During an interview in January, Pope Francis stated that ethically everyone should take the vaccine. And of course, he's speaking about the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, the Pope was speaking specifically about the ethics of making the vaccine equally available to everyone who wants it, but also he's trying to address a certain hesitancy that many people have to these particular vaccines. And in particular, there is a question of the morality of taking a vaccine that has been developed from the cell lines of aborted fetuses. And much has been said about this, and still there is much confusion. So in order to understand whether taking any of the COVID-19 vaccines that are currently available, whether that's morally or ethically acceptable, we are now joined by Dr. Bill Sullivan. He's a family physician and in teaching practice at St. Michael's Hospital in Toronto. And he also offers clinical consultations to other family physicians regarding the care of adults with developmental disabilities. He's a busy guy. Dr. Bill, welcome to the Salt and Light Hours. Good to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. 
So before we start, I keep I keep saying ethically and morally, and I'm wondering now if there's a difference between those two. Is it is there a distinction between saying that something is ethical or something is moral? Can we use those words interchangeably? I think it's fair to use them interchangeably. Okay. I normally use the term ethically. It uh, it's, comes from a, a whole body of work, which is part of philosophy, um, trying to discern you know, what's good uh, from what's not so good uh, and applied that to healthcare decisions. Okay, so then we're, we're trying to figure out whether it's ethical to take this particular vaccine um, in the past, Bill, in this program, when, when we're speaking particularly about end-of-life issues and whether certain treatments are considered ordinary or extraordinary, or maybe we can say whether they're proportionate or disproportionate, and I think our listeners might remember those conversations, um, could that same question be applied to this issue with the vaccines, whether it's proportionate or disproportionate or ordinary or extraordinary? Yeah, I think that... What that, that terminology refers to is um, a history, of, a very uh, long history of ways of thinking about uh, issues in, in healthcare in particular, mm-hmm. uh, and trying to decide whether um, some intervention that might be life-saving, so usually a therapy mm-hmm. that might be life-saving, um, uh, whether the person uh, should regard that as something that they're kind of obliged to do out mm-hmm. of gratitude for the gift of their life, or whether it's optional, that it's, it is not necessary in my circumstances. Okay. And it's, so it's not so much to say that there is this category that everybody should know that these things you have to do, okay. but it's more of an approach. Okay. And actually where that first came up was, um, you know, uh, in the early days of medicine doing battlefield mm-hmm. triage, where some people uh, had would have, a, say, a severe wound to their leg, and it was evident that the person would die without an amputation. Mm-hmm. Now, back then, that intervention was pretty horrific. Right. And the question that the moralists or ethicists posed was, uh, are people obliged to undergo that? And back then, they concluded, no. You're not obliged. That's too much. And right. that's where this distinction came up. Now, it doesn't mean that you, uh, you might decide to have it anyway, which mm-hmm. is fine, but you shouldn't feel that out of the duty for respect of the gift of life, you have to go through that. Right. So, in, so, so, so the idea of it being applied to this concept of taking or not taking a vaccine can be, can be similar. So whether we're obliged or not obliged. It, it's uh, the categories can be uh, again. It's there is a question is yeah, yeah. how helpful that is yeah, because here we're talking about something that's uh, not a therapy. Mm-hmm. It's a preventive mm-hmm. measure, so it's a little different. And the other thing is we're talking not about just an individual. You know, should I do this to save my life? But there is a kind of a public dimension to the question. Right. Uh, should I do this not only to protect my own health, but also to protect other people that if I exactly. don't have this protection, I'm more likely to put at risk. So that, that wasn't part of the initial no, no. example, but it may be that what is helpful about um, thinking about that way of uh, discerning mm-hmm. uh, options in healthcare um, 
it's more of a pattern of, of the elements that you need to think about. So part of it has to do with the goal. So here it was, you know, uh, the good of life and trying to mm -hmm. protect and promote that. Uh, another goal would be protect other people. And then you have um, the circumstances of this bad virus that's going around and infecting right. lots of people. Um, and then you have different things you can do, means to help protect yourself uh, and promote those goals. And so the question here is about whether this particular means, and this is vaccine is one method of, of protecting your health. Yeah. It's a very effective one. It's mm -hmm. not the only one. Mm -hmm. um, the question is whether or not for the most part, you can say that, yeah, that's a good thing to do, not only for yourself, but for others, which is essentially what the Pope said. Right, right. And, and the issue of common good has also been brought up. And I think that that's what you're talking about. So how do we, it, it, I suppose that the church would define common good differently than the state, but how do we determine what is good for, for, for everyone? What's the common good? Yeah, that's a very good question. And in fact, um, I think that the Catholic tradition is distinct from the typical way that uh, this is thought about in uh, much of public health that is coming to light during the pandemic. So the common good um, that is sort of assumed in public health is mm -hmm. kind of the, the greatest good for the greatest number, that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. um, for, for the Catholic understanding, I think a nice analogy would be a family. Okay. So in that family, people have different um, needs and capacities, and the family is there to help promote everyone's well-being, mm -hmm. supporting those with greater needs a bit more, and uh, that would be done by people, uh, others in the family that have that capacity. And so in a sense, it's an idea, not a calculus, but an attitude that we all we're all in this together. We all help one another. That's mm -hmm. an idea of the common good. And mm -hmm. so in the case of the vaccine, the idea would be there is uh, to protect myself from getting infected uh, is good for me, but it's also good for others for that, that I could infect. And, and essentially the, the big goal uh, around the world is to get enough people protected mm -hmm. that the, the virus can't continue to spread and that's called herd immunity. Yes. And so, so it's, it's a question of, you know, uh, seeing yourself as a player in that broad goal. Right. And I think that, that for most, I don't know if I can generalize, but for most people that they understand vaccines in general, but there's this question about the whole, you know, how are these vaccines developed? So can we address, can you address the, that, that concern about, vaccines that are developed from cell lines from aborted fetuses. Exactly. And I, I appreciate that that is a, uh, a big concern and want to just acknowledge that uh, people have many questions and concerns about COVID-19 mm -hmm. vaccines. And it is good for people to be informed and to discern what is the right thing to do. Um, I, what I would ask, uh, start with is just uh, kind of using my medical hat, yeah. is the, the, the importance of understanding uh, some of the science behind available vaccines. Yes. So if people look at a photo of 
the virus that causes COVID-19. It's called the SARS-CoV-2 virus. You, you see all these spikes on the virus, right? right? That's a common image. So these spikes are proteins that enable the virus to enter a cell in order to replicate itself. All COVID-19 vaccines help your body's immune system to learn how to identify and destroy these spike proteins. And that's to limit the virus from replicating itself and making you very sick. Mm -hmm. Now, some vaccines carry genetic material in the vaccine, and it's called messenger RNA. Yeah. Um, vaccines such as Pfizer and Moderna. And others uh, use a harmless virus. It's called, and this would be the example of AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson. Mm -hmm. But all vaccines um, in both categories um, are tested or made using cell lines that have been genetically changed so that they replicate indefinitely. And one such cell line has a technical name. It's called HEK293. And it, this was derived many years ago from an, an aborted fetus. And this is where the controversy arises. Right. Now, just to be clear, uh, there are no fetal parts in the vaccine. No. Um, and that uh, the, the uh, aborted fetus was not aborted for the purpose uh, of being used in experiments and to develop vaccines. Mm -hmm. And there's no ongoing practice of using tissues from aborted fetuses to, to supply the HEK293 cell line. And thus, uh, it's not an inducement using current mm -hmm. vaccines. There's no inducement to uh, abortions. Right. So that's just to kind of get um, clear on some of the science. And I, I guess in the webinar, there was a much more extended discussion of this. And, uh, and I think uh, we've summarized that discussion. I think what the the people that have looked at this more carefully, and I'm not an expert in this area, by the way, right. uh, but they are, they're saying that's not the case here. Right. But you are a medical doctor and you've been able to explain medically. And I think that that helps a lot of people that, that I mean, the, 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 it's, it's, it's very remote material cooperation to an yes. act that happened. And when you said many years ago, I mean, it's really like 50 years ago or more. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and, I, and the other thing is, I mean, technically it is actually, um, you know, it's, it's a stem cell line and it, it's these um, sort of very um, premature types of cells mm -hmm. that don't die. They just keep replicating. Mm -hmm. And now we don't have to do that anymore. You know, it's unfortunate that that happened. And in fact, the vaccine company is saying, well, now that we know that we're not going to do, you know, do that anymore. Exactly. That's good to know. Right. Yes. But it's also good to know that this is not the only thing that is would have this connection there's many cosmetics and other things absolutely yes. where there's also this sort of thing and so if we're really concerned about that then we have to actually do a lot of homework right wow um we could spend probably another half an hour talking about this and, and it's a fascinating <laughs> conversation and maybe in the future we can bring you back because this has been very use, uh, useful um I'm glad you mentioned the webinar. So I'll direct people to the right website in case they wanted to find out more. This is this hour long or longer webinar that that uh, you were part of with the uh, International Association of uh, Catholic Bioethics. Um, and, and 
the summary, which is much briefer. And the summary, so if you don't yes. want to watch the whole webinar, exactly. uh, the, the summary is very succinct. Yes. Um, Dr. Bill Sullivan, thank you so much. Uh, uh, sorry, we didn't have a ton of time, but I think this has been useful at least to get people thinking and thinking in the right way about this. Uh, thank you for helping us today with this well, question. God bless your good work. Dr. Bill Sullivan, he's the clinical lead of the Developmental Disabilities Primary Care Program of Surrey Place in Toronto. He is also the founding director and now the chair of the International Association of Catholic Bioethics, which is an organization that is engaged in developing consensus guidance on ethics and pandemics. You can find out more about their work and about this particular question and that webinar at iacb.ca. Look under discussions, but I'm going to put that link on our site, slmedia.org, so you can find it easily. Um, if you missed any part of this conversation or to listen to it again, visit us at our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Mary Kate Westrich, with Fall on Us from her new self-titled album. Kate Westrich with Fall on Us from her self-titled album. Mary Kate Westrich is a worship leader, songwriter, and artist from St. Louis, Missouri. 
She's led music for numerous events across the country. She's a former campus minister and is now a music minister at St. Clair of Assisi Catholic Church in Ellisville, Missouri. More importantly, Mary-Kate is a songwriter and she has just released her first EP, self-titled Mary-Kate Westridge. Um, I heard about Mary-Kate a few years ago through our contacts at Oregon Catholic Press, and I'm so happy to say that I am now joined by Mary-Kate Westridge. Mary-Kate, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, I think it's public because I saw it on your Instagram, but I, is it okay to say congratulations you're expecting? It is. Yes. Thank you so much. We're expecting our first child in September. So we're super excited. Good, yeah. good, good. Lots of, <laughs> lots of, yes, lots. Yeah. We could just talk about that. I know. <laughs> it's very exciting. Very exciting. Um, um, do you find, how is this for a segue? Do you find that because you're expecting and you're thinking about this new life and baby, are you remembering things about when you were a little girl that you'd forgotten? Like, are you finding? A little bit. That's so funny you said that because I had a dream like two nights ago that I like encountered like a five-year-old version, like me when I was five and I was like teaching her stuff. Oh and gosh. I was like, this is who I would like, even like introduce myself, my five-year-old. <laughs> husband. It was like a weird dream, but I was like, oh my gosh, like that's going to be me talking to my child. Like it, I don't know. It was weird. Interesting. Like, yeah. Well, no, but I, it's weird, but I think that makes sense. It's normal. Um, yeah. So, so are, but are you, a, are you a single uh, child or do you have siblings? I have siblings. I'm the youngest of four. Okay, good. And, and you were, grew up in Missouri or are you from somewhere yes. else? Yeah. St. Louis born and raised. Born and raised and <laughs> Catholic always? Yes. Yeah. Baptized and raised Catholic. So. Baptized and raised Catholic. So I guess your, your parents like would cart you guys off to mass every Sunday and. Oh yeah. That was a must for sure. <laughs> yeah. Was it was it a very musical household? Where did you get all your musical uh, inclinations? It was, yes. So my dad um, plays guitar and he sings as well. And his side of the family is very musical. And um, I have to kind of give credit to my brother. My brother is a musician as well and a worship leader. And he has two albums himself. Really? Um, so, yeah. And so I started singing with him when I was in high school and um, just kind of really looked up to him as a mentor and everything. And um, he would always have these worship sessions in my parents' basement, even when he was in high school. Um, wow. And with all of like the youth group kids, they would come over. And so I was, I'm eight years younger. And so I kind of grew up in that environment of just worshiping with your friends. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. That's weird. You're talking about weird <laughs> dreams. Um, I know. <laughs> so, so did you, so that was normal. You never went through like this kind of rebellious or not rebellious necessarily, but ad adolescence where you questioned the church or didn't want to do church or. or... You no, know, I, I kind of went through a phase in grade school where I was like, I, I love to sing mm -hmm. and I love my faith, but um, I wanted to like offer it outside the church. I was like, well, I want to be, this is kind of silly, but I was like, I want to be a Disney channel star and I will sing and I'll talk about my faith there. So like, you know, like I kind of was yeah. like, Oh, I don't know that I want to get into ministry because, um, I like, and my brother was a music minister and my sister's a youth minister oh. my mom and both my dad are really involved in the parish. So I was like, I want to branch out a little bit or something, you know, but, but ultimately God 
led me here. And I, I think he gave me the tools, obviously, along the way. Well, obviously, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, you should have gone to, into Disney. You can probably evangelize more that way. Um, right. Interesting. So so you had no choice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you ended up being a music minister, too. Um, I'm intrigued about your brother. I have all these questions now, but maybe maybe that'll be for another time. When did you start songwriting? Um, song. Well, it's a little complicated. I think I wrote my first song when I was in third grade, but it was mm -hmm. like, is it any good? It, I mean, <laughs> no, I, don't even, I think it was just like straight through. There was no chorus. It was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Those are the best. Uh, <laughs> right. But in high school, I would say I started writing more and it was more about like boys and relationships yeah. and same in college. And then, um, yeah, I'd say a few years ago, I was like, you know what? I like writing about love, but the main source of love is God. And I love God and I want to, you know, give glory to him. So I started writing more um, for him. Yeah. So, so this is your first album. Would you say that these are like the best of your songs from from that time period three years ago when you started sort of writing songs about love and god <laughs> right i would say so i would say all of them are um deeply rooted in my prayer life and i think um see, seem to be inspired and i worked on these songs too um i brought these ideas of these songs to uh some co-writers sarah mm. hart and Josh working with them yeah yes, was just so beautiful like she's an eye opening and like yeah they're they're both amazing writers and um it was just such an honor to work with them and again just like i don't know it was almost like community prayer songwriting like we both brought ideas of um god and the song and it was just beautiful yeah okay nice um so so you were were, I guess then that means that with a lot of the songs you were writing them thinking this is going to be an album. Yes. 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 Because I, well, it's kind of funny. So I um, love to write music and I wanted to put out an album. It had been on my heart for a very long time, um, but I didn't know really how or, you know, yeah, just how it was going to happen or who was going to help me. Cause I, I don't have a studio. I don't have, you know, I, anything like that. And then, two summers ago, maybe it's three now, I met Josh Blakesley mm -hmm. and um, heard that he produced music and I ended up chatting with him. He's like, send me your music. I'd love to like hear it. And, um, and that just kind of flowed from there. So that I think was definitely like a God yeah. moment. Opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's how it works, right? That's what they say. Right. God, give, God gives you the talent, which you have. God gives <laughs> you the desire, which you had, and then he gives you the opportunities. And that's yes. how you know it's his will. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Now I'm going to, I'm going to bug you about this. I'll tell our listeners. So when I emailed Mary Kate, he's like, what's the name of the album? And she's like, it's self-titled. <laughs> and I thought, and I thought, um, it, if you were to give it a title, what would it be? Ooh, wow. That's a great question. Because the songs, like we just heard Fall on Us and we're going to end the show with, with, uh, well, we started with Beloved and then we're going to end the show with what, well, like the, they're, they're similar, but they're not similar. Like they're sort of, and right. I, I don't, I don't want to say that it's all over the place, but because, <laughs> because, because it's not, but you yeah. know, like, is it more, is it more about beloved or is it more about wildfire? Uh, is it more, uh Oh, I don't know. That's a great question. Wow. I feel like I could reflect on that a lot. Um, you know, that's funny. You mentioned wildfire and beloved because it was between those like uh -huh. being like, 
oh, should we do Wildfire or um, Beloved? Because I love those songs so much. And I really felt like at this time, like this is my first album, Wildfire is a song about, um, you know, having that desire on your heart, for, like to serve the Lord and use your gifts for him, but not knowing how to what he's calling you to yet. Like, um, it wasn't like clear for me. Like, I know I want to serve you, Lord. I just don't know how. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was kind of leaning towards wildfire because this album was such a, um, I had to put my trust in the Lord so much. I didn't know what was going to happen with it, how people would respond to it. Um, and so I think if I had to, it would probably be wildfire. Yeah. The first. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. But we, we haven't heard it yet. The, our listeners haven't heard it yet. So they'll, they'll be okay. like, you know, suspense until what's really yeah. Mary Kate about, about this, this song. Um, um, are, did you like the process? Are you thinking, are you already thinking about the next album? I guess you're thinking about Baby. Um, I know. It's <laughs> kind of tricky. I like go back and forth. Yes, I'm still writing. I am um, looking forward to the next project. I loved the process from mm -hmm. like beginning to end. Uh, I loved writing. I loved writing with people. I loved recording it. I think actually I was in the studio. I remember thinking, cause you know, you want to get the best take of everything. Mm -hmm. And I love singing and we were in the studio for like two days straight and I never got bored. I was yes. like, this is amazing. Like, it is. It's fine. okay, let's do it again. <laughs> yes. And then, um, and then just sharing my music too. That was, it was scary, but it was exciting. And a lot of people um, responded well to it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Well, good, good. <laughs> I, I'm glad you're saying that because it's really good stuff and we'd love to have wow. you back on the show. Um, so, so there you go, Mary-Kate Westrich. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for telling us a little bit about yourself and for, for writing the music and for putting out the album. And uh Congratulations again, and it's good to Thank meet you. you. Thank you so much. This is a blast. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Mary Kate Westrich. You can learn all about her at her website, marykatewestrich.com. I'm going to put that link on our site, slmedia.org, so you can find it easily. And to listen to this interview again or to hear the rest of the program, just go to that website, slmedia.org. Um, here now to take us out is Mary Kate Westrich with wildfire that song that she says is what the album's about wildfire from her new self-titled album mary kate westridge
listening to Mary Kate Westrich with Wildfire from her new self-titled album, Mary Kate Westrich. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at slmedia.org slash podcast. You can also listen to the Salt and Light Hour anywhere you get your podcasts. So no excuses for not listening to the full show. And also, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, follow Salt and Light Media at Salt and Light TV. And while you're there, look for me, Deacon Pedro. I'd love to hear from you. Hope that you're having a blessed Easter season. Continue to pray for each other and take care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.